Check your watches. It is a time to think. It's a time to think. Whatever your watch says, whether it's digital or analog. 11.33 is a time to think for me right now. Digital or analog? Analog, of course. Proud of you, man. Thank you. That's like, uh, I feel like people your age, Chris, just a little older than me, are always looking at me like, do you remember when flip phones were a thing? Mm. Like, I'm not that young. Analog clocks feel a little bit like that to me. It's, See, I try to de-digitalize my life. I've, I've tried to do that. And that so no uh, digital, digital get-downs I literally you? have probably two or three smartwatches. I have a Fitbit, a Garmin, and I was gifted very generously and kindly by my aunt, an Apple Watch. And I've tried at times to get into it, and because I am so paranoid about privacy... So is it just I've sitting decided, at your house? It's in, yeah, my if you ever want to be like your aunt and do that for me and generously and kindly give me your brand spanking new Apple Watch, let me know. I, I don't want to contribute to your delinquency. In I already have one. I just want a newer one. Yeah, this is okay. how Apple works. It's an, it's an older one, though. So. Oh, man. Before we get to actual content, one of, uh, one of our brothers in the church is so funny. We have a, a Bible study that was all iPhone people until another brother came in, and he's got an Android, and so now you, know, you can't really like the messages like you used to, and so sure. we're... We're joking back and forth, kind of ragging on him, and he sends back just the most tactful. He says, I too am upset that Apple chooses to hold its users captive by not updating their software and forcing them to deal with, and I was just like, oh no, mm. that was really, so I was, I was mm. proud of him. I told him. I think I know who this might be as well. Who? TF? Nope. No. no but that was a good, that was a good guess okay. though. Okay. Wow. Timothy is a very smart man that would have. Would have said that. Um, so, it's funny. I told him to join the cult and get an iPhone so we can like his message, but I don't think it'll happen. Uh, this is Pastor Chris. Uh, my name is Pastor Josh. We are both pastors at Down to Mission Church. Chris is in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. You can find him behind your local ice cream shop. So, if you go get ice cream, you just keep walking. Yeah, find two ice church. cream shops right by the church building. Right. Uh, you can find us in Wausau, uh, right in the heart of downtown. Um, old building. I constantly talk to people and say, oh, you're the one that looks like a theater. Like, yeah, because we've been a little bit of everything. Exactly. <laughs> um, we have set aside a time to think. And, okay. and the purpose of that time on this podcast is because we sensed that most issues in the culture and the church were given short, snappy, quick, ignorant responses, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, everything is responded to on Facebook and Twitter or in 400 word articles and just never given enough time to actually tease through different issues. Just before we record this, Chris, I looked at you and I said, I'm really glad we waited four weeks to record anything about Asbury Revival because it gave us some time to think about it and -hmm. and not just figure out in the moment, this is what I believe. And uh, one of the classic examples for me of why we need time to think was a couple of years ago, Simone Biles pulled out of the Olympics, and mm. I think I hopped on Facebook day one, and I was like, I can't believe this. Yeah. And then like two days later, some more stuff came out about how she was doing mentally, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I can believe this. Yeah. And I mean, still maybe I would say, you're kind of an Olympic athlete. Like, you should be right. prepared for that. But at the end of the day, I thought, oh, I get that. Sure. But my first reaction was, how could she do this? Mm-hmm. And I, that, that sticks in my head as the reason why we got to chill out and take some time to think about yep. things. So a time to think is a time for thoughtful, careful engagement with culture and the church. Um, yeah, that's our purpose here. We put out new podcasts on Tuesdays on major podcast platforms. If it is helpful, tell us. If it is not helpful, tell us. If it is helpful, tell someone else.
There you go. That works. Get a shirt if it is helpful. I need better t-shirt ideas than that. <laughs> Anywho, on this episode of A Time to Think, we are starting a new series called the... Vowels of Healthy Church Membership. Not the bowels of Not healthy bowels. church membership. Although if you do read Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, mm-hmm. he does reference, the bowels. Uh, I believe, Sibs, uh, about the bowels yeah. of Christ. I so. think it's... it's in a boyishly childhood way, childish way, it makes me remember that word, right? Because yeah. you snicker a little bit at bowels, yep. but then you remember, oh yeah, bowels means from the, the core guts. Of, you yeah. bet. Yeah, we talked about a men's group last week, actually. So it was a good, good discussion piece using bowels in a way that was not related to irritability. Would you say that uh, when Christ comes to seek and save the lost, that that is the most genuine bowel movement? Anyways, thank you for joining us on A Time to Think. We're going to be talking today about the five, the vowels, five vowels of, of healthy, healthy church membership. What are the five vowels? Yeah, Forgiveness? So is that one? For, no, that's forgiveness a is just a, yeah, it's a constant. Okay, what are the five vowels? That's F. Um, so the, the five vowels of healthy church membership, uh, I, I'd like to say this came to me in a vision, but I don't really give credence to you know my dreams typically. Uh, because they can be bizarre. But it came to you in a moment. It came to me in a moment. Yeah, it came to me in a moment. Where I would still, we, once, we got to, now that we're going to plug this a second time, we got to yeah. do a, a series on spiritual gifts because I would still say that was a deposit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just would not use, thus saith the Lord language for the five vowels of healthy church membership that uh, I thought this would work. This works. This is, this is helpful. Uh, so what is saith Chris? Yeah, so what, what, what saith Chris? The five vowels of healthy church membership, but I was thinking, okay, what, what can be memorable for people to think, if I want to be a healthy church member, these things should characterize my, my church life. And we'll, we'll define church in just a minute here because I do think it's important that we, um, we, we were looking, actually, I, I looked the other day with my parents, in fact, at uh, Ligonier Ministries' uh, state of theology that they put out every two years. And I think it was two-thirds of professing Christians that were surveyed uh, from a repre- representative sample of Americans um, suggested, I think it was two-thirds, that said, it is not necessary for a Christian to be a member of a local church. And I would say that is a desperately wrong uh, approach that shows a profound lack of understanding regarding the significance and nature of the local church. So let me just preface it by saying, yeah. I know that this is a pushback for some people. I know that some people may listen and think, well, why can't I just listen to podcasts and sermons? Why can't I just get together and pray with my family around the dinner table and that's enough? And, and I think that's a, that's a, very, a very unhelpful Especially way. Especially coming out of COVID-19. Right, exactly. So, uh, Where we've seen the effects of this on people. Right. So, um, so I think uh, one of the things that I'll reference a number of times, I was listening to this on a run yesterday, it's called Rediscover Church. That's a book. You had to read that. Yeah, but someone it. else read it to me. Oh, okay, gotcha. Through an eye telephone. An eye telephone. Which nice. is not through the eyes. It actually came through my ears. Interesting. Um, so it's a short little book that was put out by Colin Hansen, who works for the Gospel Coalition, and Jonathan Lehman, who works for Nine Marks. And uh, it's called Rediscover Church. It was put out because they sensed that what many people had effectively believed prior to COVID-19, which was the church isn't all that important, really was solidified during COVID-19, where whether you close down for four to six weeks or two years in some capacity, um, just this this move toward individualism and isolation and 
lack of necessity to gather and yep. lack of so all those things that Ligonier probably is talking about yep. in that state of theology article. Lehman and, and Hansen are basically saying, yeah, this has been happening for a long time. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 really exacerbated it. Right. So here's a book to reinvigorate why yeah. church is important. If you are at Downtown Mission Church, we have a number of copies. So I'd be happy mm -hmm. to, to give those out. I've even thought about doing maybe like a lunchtime Zoom call for yeah. a couple months going through the chapters. Because what we'll, what we'll discuss next, what is the church is such a simple question that I think most of us haven't thought about. Mm -hmm. So for instance, Hanson and Lehman say, is the church a social club? Is the church uh, an action group? Is the church a random collection of people? Is it a purpose collection of people? Mm -hmm. And so uh, if, if I can mention my, one of my favorite professors, Dr. Scott Swain, he says, nature indicates Name indicates nature, nature indicates purpose. Name leads to nature, nature leads to purpose. And mm -hmm. so if we're going to act as a church, we go to, well, what is the purpose of a church? What is the purpose of a church is what is the nature of the church? What is the nature of the church is what is the name of the church? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where we're starting is there is this word church right. that we're starting off with. And whatever these vowels with a V, mm -hmm. these vowels of healthy church membership come out of, yeah. they come out of a name that has a nature. Exactly. Right. And and I just think it's, it's so undiscussed. We kind of assume, well, I know what the church is. Right. The church is where I go. But here's, here's a little thought experiment. When we say I go to church, what do we mean? We could mean I go to a building. Um, so is, in Wausau, is the Fillmore, is that ch the church? Right. Start to think about that. You start to put, well, no, it's not the, because we could meet on the parking lot. But we do need to meet somewhere. Yeah. So is it the meeting? that, that So mm -hmm. that's where you start to tease out and say, okay, it's really important for us to define yeah, absolutely. what the church is. Chris, give me a definition of the church. Yeah, well, let me, let me just get the five vowels out there first. So Did that we not do that yet? No, no. Wow. We took I a little, not little doing excursus. No, that's fine. A little excursus on, on the church because this is, it's all bound together, right? So we, we need a definition of the church to help us understand what these vowels of health, healthy church membership look like because if, if the church is not what it is, then healthy membership in what it is not doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If you follow that, congratulations. But um, <laughs> the, the five vowels of healthy church membership, uh, I would say are attendance, engagement, invitation, offering, and using your gifts. Attendance, so, engagement. Attendance, mm -hmm. Invitation. Offering, invitation, using your gifts. A-E-I-O-U. All right. There is no why because... As I told my wife that we were going to do vows of church engagement, yes. uh, we have a one-and-a-half-year-old, so she goes, E-I-E-I-O, because that's been in our Oh, yeah, E-I-O. So. Yep, my two-year-old loves E-I-O. She has a, an old McDonald book that was given to her by one of our elders and his wife, Yeah. and it's one of her favorite books, and she would look at all the animals even in real life and just say, So Old McDonald's e -I -O. Guide to Church e -I -O. is what we're going through. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but we have the enhanced edition with A and mm. U as well. So wow. A-E-I-O-U. That's from the master's degree, I think. That, that's, 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 that's what provided The that other two vowels come from. Exactly. Okay, so we've got the five vowels. We're only going to yeah. talk about the first vowel today, but the first vowel, attendance, I think is, is maybe the one people go, Really? I don't have to attend. Like, I don't have to right. be a member of a church to be a Christian, right? Yeah. I don't have to attend, or I don't have to attend that frequently. Attendance almost feels like it's what the pastor 
guilts people into doing sure. because, you know, the pastor needs to speak to somebody. And if you don't attend, you don't tithe and the pastor needs to make his money. So I really need you to be here. Right. So attendance, I think can, the, even the word can feel like, I'm worried go. about if I'm attending or not. Right. Or I'm a regular attender. Right. But to determine why the word attendance is necessary as a vowel of healthy church membership, we have to determine what the church is. Yeah. And so I, I would say, and maybe this is a little spicy, but I like spicy. You know, too bad if it is. If you want to be an unhealthy church member, then just disregard what we're going to say. And I'll tell you, disregarding what we're going to say is our default position for all of us. And the reason that I bring these things up is because attendance, there are plenty of things that people can do on a Sunday morning that do not involve meeting together with the people of God. You could be sleeping, you could be watching football. You could be attending parties, you could be traveling, you could be going to vacations, visiting cottages, and some of these things in their proper place are just, it, it's okay, right? But what we want to say is when we go through all this, this, this kind of grid, to think, is my Christian experience within the context of the local church reflected in these things? Or is it reflecting a preference on my part to dismiss what I would argue are some of the most critical aspects of, of your Christian experience lived in community that, that you're, you've pretty much forfeited the right to say that your experience as a Christian is unhealthy or it's healthy and, it, and it's become unhealthy. So attendance, engagement. And, when I, and so, you know, you, you talk about attendance being the one that, you know, kind of people can, I would say all of these things, you think engagement. When I suggest engagement is an important component of church membership. Engagement means you don't just come and attend. Engagement means you are actively involved in the lives of other believers. And, and what's interesting is that as people kind of try to get ideas of what does the local church look like, if we're going to define it, some people may say, and I would agree with them wholeheartedly, to looking at um, what I what would say is a consumer mentality and say, well, as long as you attend, as long as you go to a corporate gathering once a week, then you're doing your due diligence as a church member. And I would say, no, you are dead wrong if that's what you believe. Because this is, this is not either or, this is all. This is, hmm. this is both and in all these ways. You kind so, of told me, if you want spicy, you told me that these five vowels are going to offend all of us at some point. Yeah, they will. And, and so engagement, I would say, perhaps some people say, well, as long as I'm having phone calls with other Christians throughout the week, let's say I'm traveling for work and I just call... And that's enough, and I don't need to meet meeting together with other Christians on a Sunday morning. Well, the Bible would suggest that's inadequate. So engagement is more than just talking with other Christians. Invitation uh, is inviting others to follow Christ. And you invite others into the local assembly, right? And so you can't just be a lone ranger who goes out and says, hey, you should follow Jesus. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an evangelist out there. It's You're inviting people to follow Jesus with other people who are following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Offering. It's not enough. I mean, hey, we appreciate keeping the lights on as a, as a church. We appreciate that. But, man, if you're just sending a check, if you're just auto-debiting uh, in saying, okay, well, I'm doing due diligence because as long as I'm giving, thank you, we appreciate that, but, man, we want you. Like, we want mm-hmm. you to be a part of this body, not the money. Uh, and then finally using There's gifts. a relational risk involved in healthy church membership exactly. because you are offering yourself. And I've, I've 
maybe put some language in the past few weeks to that in my life because Sunday afternoons are really tough for me. Uh, I'm spent. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, and I think the language that's helped me is I've just offered myself. Sure. And, and it's, there's a relational risk when you offer yep. yourself. When you truly, in any way, shape, or form in the church, um, there's a financial risk if you offer your money, but eventually you could just cut, cut bait and run, right? You can right. cut your losses. Ah, oh, I don't have as much money as I used right. to. When you offer yourself, you're, you're liable to be hurt or rejected yep. or unappreciated. Yep. And so offering, I think, is a, is a wide category yep. um, that we experience on a, on a weekly basis. Yeah. And then using your gifts, you know, I grew up in a church where people did a lot of things. You know, it's like, okay, so-and-so is, uh, is an usher, is a greeter. You know, so people would show up and, and, and they would do things. Um, they, they weren't healthy church members because the church did not faithfully proclaim the gospel. But a lot of people can get an idea that activism is really a substitute for Christian experience and growth within the context of a local body of believers. And, and so using your gifts is not an isolated thing. All these things have to work together. And if, any, if at any point we start overemphasizing one aspect of this, we begin to cultivate a, a caricature of the local church. So if somebody were to go out and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a caricature of Josh Holland, and they draw an accurate picture, except his beard is like this, right? Like huge. Bless you. You know, <laughs> somebody may look at that and say, wow, what an epic beard. And, you know, your beard is, is, is very... It's there, man. Yeah, it's It's there. existent. It's existent. Uh, but that being said, is it a faithful representation as a picture? Well, not necessarily, even though we might get a decent idea mm -hmm. of what you look like. And so, you know, at any point along the way here, we want to we stress that these are not options and they are not mutually exclusive. These are all complementary. They all work hand in hand. And if you want to be a healthy church member... All of these things need to be goals that we are aiming at together to say, is When you my invite someone <laughs> into relationship with Christ, you're inviting them into an engaged community, E, that gathers, attends, A, mm -hmm. to offer themselves right. to, you know, or when you're offering yourself, sometimes you're doing it in a way that uses your gifts, sometimes you're working mm -hmm. in the nursery, which... Right. You know, we never talk about the nursery when we talk about spiritual gifts, right? Yeah. I, there, you serve one another. You, you might offer yourself in a way that you don't feel necessarily capitalizes on your talents and desires, right. and yet you're still offering yourself. And then yep. there are other offerings that'll be more in line with your spiritual mm -hmm. giftings that you think. And so you're right. These are all yeah. interconnected. So as for definition, to get back to that, uh, I would suggest that the, the, the church, and we're going to use lowercase c, with the word local, prefacing okay. it, because the church, universal, is all genuine believers throughout all of history who have been purchased with the blood of Jesus, who either looked forward to the coming of Christ or looked back at the coming of Christ and say, my hope and righteousness is found in him. So that is the, the church, the universal church that spans the globe, that spans time. But the local church, uh, as we find it expressed in scripture and as we find it kind of defined in our daily experience, the local church is very special because the local church is the place where the, the Christian experience is lived together in such a way that reflects the, the mystery that Jesus Christ has gathered a people mm -hmm. for himself from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And in as much as that can be reflected within a local community, the local church is, is this collection of believers who under the, the 
careful and loving leadership and authority of qualified men who faithfully open scripture on a regular basis, teaching and shepherding these people, loving these people, uh, are together being conformed to the image of Christ uh, as, as the ordinances are celebrated, uh, whether it's baptism or the Lord's table, uh, and where, where meaningful Christian experience is, is effectively guarded through things like helping people understand the significance of sin and church discipline, these types of things. Yeah. And so the local church is a place where all this stuff happens. It's where the one another's happen. If, if God tells us throughout scripture so many times, love one another, you can't do that on your own. Mm-hmm. And you can't just do that with people you like to be with too. Yeah. You have to do it with people that you may not have anything in common with. And that's the beauty of the local church. Yeah, part of the gathering is that you have not chosen all who gather. Exactly. Um, so you start off with a healthy distinction because I think a lot of people do think in terms of global universal church. And I think there's two ways to use that. One of them is genuine. One of them is trying to wrestle through and say, well, why do we silo ourselves and not work across different bodies of believers in the same town? And, mm-hmm. um, and aren't we all the universal church? I think there's a genuine way to sure. really ask that question. We'll get into that. There's also, I think, a, a disingenuous way to say that, which is I've already committed that I'm not going to be part of a church, and here's my excuse. Global church. Yep. To which uh, I'll give a biblical and and then maybe just a more rational response. Biblically, as if the Bible's not rational, um, what I mean by that is one that's not explicitly based in a text, but just something that I think is helpful. Biblically, you look at the book of Revelation. Chris, uh, the book of Revelation is written for the benefit of all people in all churches at all times, right? Right. Seven letters of seven churches. Blessed are those who read aloud the prophecy of the words of this book, right? Right. All people, all church, all time, who are then going to, Revelation 19 shows us, gather together at the same table yep. for dinner with Christ, their yep. one husband. And yet, the beginning of that book has seven different letters written to different bodies of believers Actual that have churches. different problems. Right. And it's the letter to the seven churches. Yeah. So the book of Revelation gives us uh, a helpful framework to say there is a global body of believers, the bride of Christ. Maybe that's even a helpful distinction is to talk about the local church and the bride of Christ. That we as down to mission church are not in and of ourselves the bride of Christ. We are part of the bride of Christ. We are a local church that's part of the bride. That might be a helpful distinction. But even in Revelation, you have seven different letters. The church at Laodicea and the church at Tarsus had different problems. (laughs) Start to think through this and you look at the New Testament, which you know, half or so of it is gospel letters that are more general in principle. And then the rest of it is the, the, the letter written to the church at Corinth is helpful for all of us, but it was, it was written to a church. Right. And it, it does include chapters 12 through 14 that say, when you gather as a church, mm-hmm. there were specific issues when the church at Corinth gathered as a church that the church in Ephesus wasn't experiencing. Right. And that precluded siloing within that church yeah. because Paul deliberately says, don't let the wealthy among you exclude the poor, right? So he's, he's stressing the significance of the local church being a place where people of diverse backgrounds find unity in Christ. Yeah, so I would say if you're genuinely wrestling with, well, why is, why is it, uh, why do I need, or why do I, how can I tell someone that I love that 
is a professing Christian that they need to be involved in a local church because they're saying something about the universal church. If this is a genuine wrestling, I would say, look at the New Testament. You have letters that are written for everyone for all time. Like 1 Timothy says, this is how one ought to behave in the household of God. All the households of all time. And yet these letters are written to specific gathered bodies of believers. And we know that because they had specific problems or in the in the um, example of Thessalonica, specific things to rejoice in. And so we have a framework in the New Testament of the universal bride or capital C church and the local lowercase c church. Um, Where where these five vowels of engagement come to bear on someone who's using that argument flippantly Mm -hmm. because they don't want to invest themselves in a local church, uh, we'll we'll continually get in that. the, the reality is you just can't live functionally in any meaningful way unless you're around people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't have much of a friendship with most people that I went to high school with because I don't see them regularly. Mm-hmm. Find people. There is some general disagreement in religious matters, which is a very important sure. thing to me. But a huge part of it is I just don't see them. Right. And um, to anyone who is not engaged in a local family, local lower C church because of this idea of a universal capital C church, then that's an excuse to not be engaged. The reality is, like Chris said, you cannot practice the one another's. You cannot bear one another's burdens if you don't know each other. Like none of us are walking into a different church in town in the first week saying, I, I've been lying to my wife and I need help. I've been harsh with her. Mm-hmm. None of those people are in our homes enough to see that. Like whatever, right. we're just not going to bear our sins. We're, we're not going to do that uh, unless we have been knitted together and connected with a right. body of believer for some significant amount of time. Yeah. Um, and so, so you're talking about lowercase c church. Um, I would say a help, another helpful thing is to say we are local manifestations or iterations or examples of the capital C. Right. And that, that's going to, as we talk about gathering, that's going to flesh out. But the local church at Downtown Mission is a small example of the universal church. Right. And we're seeking to gather together in a meaningful way in all of the ways that you described earlier, doing the one another's, opening the word, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together, bearing one another's burdens, forgiving one another as the Lord in Christ has forgiven us as a small representation that, that essentially, even in the attending, in the gathering, proclaims the future Universal Seed Church exactly. reality to come. Yep. Um, so that would be maybe how those things intertwine. Uh, I think it's super necessary, Chris, for us to define the church because we hear things like, be the church. What does that mean? Or we hear things like, the church is not a building. What does that mean? So when we hear these, we're, we've said before on a time to think we're in a culture of short, snappy sayings that no one thinks about. And I I just want to think about those two sayings for a second. Um, Be the church, I think is usually meant to, I apologize for that notification. Um, Be the church is usually meant to say, go out and act Christianly. Sure. Don't just get together. Go be the church, Mm -hmm. right? Go do mercy ministry. Well, if the church fundamentally is people called out from their sin, called out from all the nations, called Mm -hmm. out from their former lives in the kingdom of darkness, called out from 
Plover, Stevens Point, Mosinee, or Weston, Schofield, Rib Mountain, Wausau, called mm-hmm. out, called together by the one God who unites them yeah. in order to assemble before him. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if the church is fundamentally an assembly, a gathering, mm-hmm. a meeting of Christians, then to be the church is to get together. together. Right. Right? But, but generally when someone says be the church, they mean go out and act. Mm-hmm. So what I would put forth is to say to be the church begins with gathering together and then you go and you walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Like they're still going to do, sure. um, but maybe the modern use of be the church is, is distorting what the word gathering means. Yeah. The same with the church is not a building. Well, agreed. Um, I've tried to sometimes refer to our building as the church building, just to kind of help with that distinction. Exactly. Yep. But the church is a gathering and I live in Wisconsin, man. So in the winter, I want to gather in a building, <laughs> right? So once again, the church is not a building might be somewhat true that, that there is not necessarily more Holy Spirit at 310 North 4th Correct. Street than there is at 1108 Hamilton. Right. Um, but, but there generally on Sundays is a gathering. And a different thing occurs here than occurs at your home. Right. right. Um, a, a different thing occurs when we gather together, called out from different places to sit under the preaching of the word, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, to take part in the Lord's table, to pray to the Lord our God. Um, And so those are some, I think, some necessary ways for us to distinguish what the church is. And this happens from very early on in the scriptures, Chris. Genesis chapter four, we read, to Seth also a son was born and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. From the very beginning of the scriptures, we see people, multiple, gathered calling upon one Lord. And that becomes the theme of that that, that blossoms into the people of Israel Mm -hmm. and then blossoms into the New Testament church is a gathering of people calling on one Lord. Yeah. Anything else you'd add to necessary components of church definition? I mean, it's, it's hard to say because I do think... There's a very small minority of people who may, what I would say, have pushback about any of this. But what I do want to affirm is that, I do want to affirm that people's experience of the church has significant ramifications for how they engage with the church in the present. And so there might be people who look at things and say, you know what? In the past, I went to a church, and I'll just use my own experience, I went to a church that was so filled with activism, where it's like, okay, as long as you're showing up and doing something, it's like, okay, and no genuine life change. You know, there's a church I went to growing up, um, there was a guy who did a lot of things for people, did a lot of nice things for people, who was, who was convicted of some really heinous, and I mean, the most heinous, child sexual assault that you could ever imagine. But people knew of this guy as a guy who did all these nice things for people, who went to church and did all these nice things for people. And so I think there could be a tendency for somebody to look at that and say, man, anytime a church asks me to be doing things, I'm going to run the risk then of just doing things with people I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Right? So you might, might be tempted to say that. And I would say, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, which is why we don't stress one vowel over another, we simply say these things are all 
equally important. You cannot diminish one of them, and you cannot raise another above the others. And so when we talk about attendance, it's like, yeah, attendance matters significantly, but it matters in as much as you are engaged. And, and as a pastor, when I think about people that I love seeing on a Sunday morning, I'm like, yeah, that's great. I love that you're here on Sunday morning, but man, would it not be so wonderful to know each other well? Would it not be so wonderful that you would gather? And this is, you know, for us, we've, we've talked, uh, yesterday I, I talked at uh, corporate worship about three things we have in the middle of the week. I was talking with my very good friend about this the other day as well, and, and, you know, he was talking about what happens in their church's life, and I said, we have three things that happen in the middle of the week. We have men's group, we have women's group, and we have corporate prayer. Those are the three things on the calendar that I say, carve time out of your schedule. If you're a man, come to men's group. If you're a woman, come to women's group. And if you can, come to corporate prayer. Three things to carve out throughout your week. That being said, my desire is that in this environment where at men's group, you know, we do meal together every week. Mm-hmm. That's important to me because I want people to have you know, in, in fancy church words, table fellowship. Right. When people actually know each other in a way where they're just enjoying each other's company. And then when they talk about significant things, they feel the freedom to share things more deeply. And then from there, they can have conversations where it's like, okay, I, I, I sense that this, this guy probably understands this thing I'm dealing with a little bit more than these other guys do. So I'm going to have a branched off conversation. Oh, and I bet you are, as a pastor, I have like a running catalog in my head of people's varying interests and life experiences because I know I don't have most interests and life experiences. Sure. So um, if, if you, if I meet someone new who works in a factory, I'm pinging three guys in my head who know what his life is like because I work with books. Exactly. Exactly. And and so they're like, you're, you're waiting for people to gather and and you do see relational connections and, and those things are born out of both deep conversation and playful conversation, but they're all born out of gathering. Yeah. And so it's, you know, when we talk about attendance, it is, it's like saying, um, you know, it would not be good if you're, if you're part of a family. It would not be good if you never ate a meal together, mm-hmm. right? So there are things that, you know, we want to talk bare minimum types of deals, but it, it also, it, it would grieve my heart if somebody thought that attending is only part of this. Just like it would grieve my heart if somebody said, well, offering is the only thing that's important. As long as I'm sending a check in, then it shows I'm committed to the church. The whole point is not, and, and let me just kind of stress another thing here. I think it's important because we're pastors. The whole point in encouraging these things is not for our egos. It's not for us to feel like, okay, well, now we got you to do stuff. It's because when I think about the, the care that I have for the people God has entrusted to me as a shepherd, and when I think about the, the hurt and the pain and the experiences of living in a fallen world, Man, I look at it and I say, I know how you could how you could weather this. I know how you could can can deal with this in a way that's so much more life giving than it is life taking. And when I see people isolate themselves, it just breaks my heart because I think, man, if you put yourself in positions that God has said this is good for you as much as you possibly can, mm-hmm. then you only get benefit. Yeah. Right. Like you, there, there, there are obviously liabilities of, of just living in a fallen world. But it's like, okay, if God has said this environment is good for you, be with all of the gathered assembly locally. Yeah. 
that's good for you. And be with smaller gatherings, that's good for you. Yeah. These are all good things for you. And so when I just say attendance, attendance is good for you. And, and gathering with other believers is good for you as almost a bare minimum. Well, you remember a few weeks ago, we were rattling off things we were learning in school. We talked about covenant theology. One of the things that covenant theology is helpful in doing is to say that God's commands are blessings. Sure. So I, I just walked through with some guys this a couple weeks ago, passage Exodus 16, where uh, the Lord has delivered the Israelites through the Red Sea. Then he, in their grumbling, has drawn water from a rock. And then there's been this great song of deliverance, the song of Moses mm-hmm. about the might of the Lord in Exodus mm-hmm. 15. And then uh, a very famous passage about manna being delivered in the wilderness in Exodus 16. And what I wanted to show the guys is that Israel had been ransomed from slavery in Egypt. And a big part of this slavery, they, Moses and Aaron, the leaders of Israel, had asked let us go three days journey into the wilderness so that we may worship God. I think implied in that is that they were going to come back. Um, because if you're going to run away, you don't ask for permission. You just, you run. So they, I think they were going to go and they were going to come back. That's my hunch. So they wanted three days off essentially yep. to go worship. Pharaoh's response in Exodus chapter five was, you're idle, you're lazy, more burden for you. You want three days off, but slavery is no days off. And so his response is, not only no days off, but I'm taking away your resources and materials. Mm. No more straw for you to make bricks, yeah. but make the same amount of bricks. So when, when Israel wants rest, Pharaoh as a slave master's response is you'll have more work. And then you get to Exodus 16 and the Lord provides manna in the wilderness. He says, manna is bread that falls from the sky. And then the Lord says, only gather it for six days. Mm-hmm. And then this is amazing verse, Chris. He said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. And all of God's people shrivel up. Say, oh my gosh, God is commanding something. He's going to Mm. take something from me. This is not good for me. Sure. This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest. Mm. Mm. The commands of the Lord are good, brother. I mean, from Genesis 1, 28, when God commands commands that Adam and Eve are fruitful and multiply and fill mm-hmm. the earth. And so when we talk about attendance and we talk about something like Hebrews 10, 24, do not neglect to gather together. And we go, that's a command. It's a good command. Yeah. God's commands are blessings. And earlier yeah. in Hebrews, we're told, why do you not neglect to meet together? Because Hebrews 3, 13, you, you weak, weak brother, Josh, you need people to guard you against the deceitfulness of your right. own sin. So keep getting together yeah. with them because they're going to guard you. Yeah. And even just to kind of like give a little bit more local churchology or ecclesiology for those who want to use the fancy terms. Churchology was not the fancy? Local churchology. Local, no, it's hyphenated. That is a little fancy. Mm. But um, some people may be tempted to say, okay, well, don't forsake assembling together. And it's like, well, as long as I get together with a few Christians every week, then I'm good. Well, a little bit after that, a little bit after that, the writer of Hebrews, maybe Luke, I'll put my plug in again for that. The writer of Hebrews says to submit to your leaders. Mm -hmm. I was going to reference that, Chris, because two things that are coming to mind is um, part of a church is a leadership and authority. And we know that because of what you just said, submit to your leaders, Mm -hmm. also because uh, Titus is sent to establish elders in every town, and Titus is given a list of elder qualities. Right. 
Timothy is told how we are to act in the household of God right after a list of leadership qualities. Yep. Paul goes to Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, I believe, <laughs> sets up elders, and then has this beautifully heart-wrenching departure where, yep. where he leaves leadership in charge. First uh, Corinthians 14 is uh, about the church. I think it's interesting that Paul says, this is how you're to act in church. Yeah. So, okay, you're Christians, but when you're in church, this is how you are to act. And when you come together, so the, when you as a church come together, verse 26, and then later on, things are to be done decently and in order in church. Yeah. Now, how do things done decently in order? There's some sort of established right. leadership. So whether you are, that doesn't mean you can't have a house church. It just means you can't have a house church with ambiguous, unstructured leadership. Right. There, there need to be pastors, elders, shepherds, right. called by God, equipped to equip the saints yeah. for the works of ministry. So that would be another thing that people tend to say, well, as long as I'm gathered with two or more are gathered, right. there I am among you, then just gather. Well, no, first Corinthians 14, Paul is saying there is a different type of thing happening when you come exactly. together as a church. As an assembly, right? So just because there are legitimate conversations about what size, okay, is should a church ever be more than 30 or 50 or 100 or 200 or 1,000? Right. We can have those legitimate conversations, yeah. but the church still is a gathering, a regular gathering, a regular gathering with leadership, a regular gathering with leadership who's in authority. Right. That authority is under the authority of the word. I mean, these right. things, they're, they're intimately intertwined. And since the church is a gathering, you have to be there. Right. Yeah, That's I mean, where attendance comes in. When, when Peter, Peter gives instruction to the elders in First Peter, he, he says um, to fellow elders, he puts himself in this category of a, a shepherd. Beautifully even, humble. Yeah, very, very, very humble. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Meaning, shepherds, you are there with your people, mm -hmm. which means you're together, right? This is way before technology is at the level it's at today where people can like have a Zoom or Skype call. So what's assumed is you're together. Right. You're with each other. You're not shepherding the people that are among you by giving a phone call. You're not shepherding the people that are among you by sending a letter. Like these, are, these might be helpful things that develop, you know, but fundamental to the task of shepherding is you're there. Mm -hmm. You're with the people that God has given to your care, which is, you know, when we talk about the size of a church, man, a church can get big, and that can, you know, there's some fine, large churches out there, but one of the problems that ends up happening in that process is that... Who's among us? Yeah, who's among us? Who's How long have you there? been... Hey, I'm Josh. Are you new here? No, I've been here for nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've been among us for nine months. Yeah. And, and that's the plea that I have when we talk. One of the reasons I believe church membership is important is from a shepherd's perspective, I really need to know who's among me. Right. So if I'm going to talk about my responsibility to do a hospital visit, my responsibility to take a late night phone call, my responsibility to answer an email question, my yeah. responsibility to really care about the a theological confusion someone's yeah. having, um, all of those are based on me knowing who's among me. Exactly. Because quite honestly, if, if, and this may sound harsh, if there's no real commitment for you to be among our church, it's much harder for me to ask my other members to invest in you 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not opposed to asking my members to put skin in the game, yeah. to offer themselves. But I, I'm generally not doing it all that much to someone who's just coming in and out. Exactly. But I will say, hey, this is a member, even if this person yeah. is hard to love. They are among us. Yeah. And for me, hey, if, if you're a member of my church, you said, I am with you. I am among you. Late night phone calls, I have, I take. I got one yeah. on, I, I generally don't take late night phone calls. And for me, late night is like 9 p.m. <laughs> but there was a, a brother in our church who called me from the hospital on a Saturday night. And if he wasn't a member, I wouldn't have answered. Sure. But he was a member and he's at the hospital and his daughter was going in for a C-section. And yeah. I'm so glad he's a member of my church because I answered and I prayed with him. Yeah. And there's, as a shepherd, there is a greater responsibility to those who are among you. Yeah. And church membership, even if the word is not in the scriptures, it signals to your elders of your church, hey, I'm here. Right. Um, and then I think also, so, so I've, I've said, maybe this is a helpful uh, just repetition. If the church is a gathering, then you got to be there. Church membership says, I'm here. Right. And church attendance reminds me that you're here. Right. Now, I'm a finite human being. You're a finite human being. Everyone in my church is a finite human being. And we are all going around our lives with so many cares in this world, just trying to make it to right. Saturday. And it's easy for us to forget one another. Yeah. But if we keep showing up at the same time, at the same place, it's, it's hard to forget one another. Yeah. It's easy to stay on one another's minds when I see you yeah. every week. Um, and, and that's a pain. And, and I'm not saying that if you miss three, four weeks in a row, it's not the job of the church to reach out to you. But there is a truth that if you, if you don't come, if you don't attend for two months, and then you're upset that people haven't reached out to you, it's, there's an irrationality there because right. you know as well as I know, you got to put your face in front of other people's faces for them to remember you. Right. Like, and, yeah. and that's where the responsibility falls on all of us to keep regularly gathering because it is in the gathering where we say, hey, remember, I'm here. And other people go, oh, they're here. Yeah. And, and I care about them being yeah. here. Well, even, even just an example, I guess, you know, as we're, I think we're going to wrap some things up here in a sec. But um, as an example, I mean, so we, we live in Wisconsin and, and the Packers are wildly popular, as they should be. Uh, football is fantastic. And... You know, the, the big issue that we've had for, for decades now is uh, season ticket ownership for Packer games, right? Everybody wants to get season tickets, and so they put their kid's name on list knowing that maybe in 40 years they, they might get a chance to have the tickets, right? Now imagine that, that you are sitting next to somebody at a, a Packer game, and you ask them you know, about the tickets, and let's say you, you're so excited, you're there at this game and everything, and this person sitting next to you, and they say, yeah, well, I, I got these tickets because I know people who are season ticket holders. They never come to games at all. They never come to games at all. And, and they just kind of like throw their tickets at other people. And you're thinking, oh, man, I'd love to have season tickets. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be here every week that I could be here. Uh, and that the Packers know, man, I'm committed. Mm-hmm. I'm committed to this organization. And I'll, I'll gladly buy these tickets right from you to show you that I'm, I want to be here. And if somebody decides, yeah, well, I'm a season ticket owner, but... I just, I'll either sell my tickets uh, to make some money off it, or I don't really care about it. Just, I'm, I'm fine the fact that I have them. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that, that's such a diminishing of the value of, of something that so many people look at and say, I would love to be in your position. And church membership in many ways is, is like that. It's saying, I am so excited that I am a part of this family of believers that, you know, my skin's in the game, as it were, 
I'm glad to be How many here. of us wish we had better relationships with our families? Sure. How many people are in broken family relationships and with healthy membership that involves attendance, engagement, offering, you develop a healthy family yeah. and, and then you can say, I don't just have to wish for one, I have one. Exactly. Um, but none of those things can happen. If you're not there. It just, just like, and maybe here's a healthy view is if you're in a family, you're going to have times where you all get together together mm -hmm. and then times where you gather with a sibling yep. or an aunt or whatever. And, and those types of things are going to be mutually reinforcing. Yep. And so the, the lunch you have with your brother is then going to reinforce the gathering when your brother and sister and parents are there. Yep. And then maybe an interaction that you have with your sister at that gathering is going to reinforce like, hey, we should talk on the phone sometime. Yep. And then that talking on the phone is going to reinforce. And so what you've established earlier, Chris, is attendance is not just come on Sundays. Uh, attendance is a is a life of being around one another, right. both in homes and in prayer groups and at the Sunday gathering of the whole body yeah. that reinforce one another over the course of time. And I have dear brothers in the church who there might be long stretches of time, two, three months, where all I get with them is a hug at church. Mm -hmm. And I long, and I'm, I'm like, man, I wish I had 20 more minutes to talk to you. Yeah. I wish I, and I might just be able to say, I love you, I miss you, mm -hmm. I'll see you next week. Right. But when we get together for that extended period of an hour and a half or two hours, that depth of relationship, I'm able to go deeper with them because I've seen them every week. Exactly. Even if I haven't gotten as much as I wanted each week that we've seen each other, I've still embraced them. I've still said hello. We've still been under the same word. We still worship together. And now when we are together in a different type of way as Christian brothers, there's a depth there yeah. that then is going to reinforce the next hug I give him at corporate worship. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's, that's so important is like, even if nothing spectacular happens on a Sunday gathering, it still is, it's kind of like, we'll keep calling it, it's like eating oatmeal. It will sustain you. And lower your cholesterol. Yeah, church will lower your cholesterol. The last thing I'll say, Chris, is that here's kind of a uh, church protects you, Hebrews tells us, protects us from our own sin. Church protects us, Hebrews tells us, it protects us from outside influences. That's why we got to gather together. Um, church can give us a, a family where we might not elsewhere otherwise have church. We've talked about this in ex expositional preaching. Church gives me a venue where I'm not dictating the content I'm listening to, right? right? It's one time a week where someone else is choosing what I'm listening to. Yeah. And that's good for me. Yep. And, and all these different things happen when we attend, when we gather, when we assemble. Mm -hmm. um, next episode, we're going to talk about once we're there together, we've got to engage. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for taking some time with us to think. We'll see you next time.